Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. Welcome to Journey with Info. I'm glad you're tuning in. I hope you enjoyed my tattoo surprise from the previous episode. Getting a tattoo was definitely an experience like never before. There were moments of pain, but not excruciating pain. Just, what are you doing? Walk away now. It felt like 10,000 kittens scratching my back all at once. Okay, maybe 300 kittens but I persevered. I was motivated by how getting this tattoo was a celebration. I had just come out of a dark hole. Anxiety and depression had me in a tight headlock. So finally, I have days where I see more sunshine than rain, more happiness than emptiness. I'm making peace with all the breaking of self that was going on and breathing into existence the rebirth of a better self. It was appropriate to add the word ase to the tattoo, a Nigerian Yoruba word which translates into so be it. It is my reminder that there is power in our words, that with our mouths and tongues, we create our experiences and journeys. It had to be the butterfly, my African wings and Hawaiian spine. Thank you to Tatilicious for facilitating this experience and hosting us at your beautiful location. If you're ever in Hawaii and have some time, drop by this amazing location. It does have a cafe too. Thank you to Ensign for doing such a stellar job. You're officially our favorite tattoo artist. So I'm all inked and healing. Let's get into this week's episode. Being an immigrant comes with merits and demerits. But when you're from Africa... There's more demerits rather than merits. I have been living in Hawaii for three years now after I relocated from South Africa. My relocation was unintentional. I was on a student exchange program when I fell in love and the rest, as they say, is history. Welcome to yet another episode. It's South African Expats. I am molded from fertile African soil. African soil made fertile by the blood and sweat of my ancestors. African soil blackened and hardened by the ashes of hopes and unachieved dreams once harbored by my grandparents. I am the daughter of a mother who survived the apartheid. I am the granddaughter of a grandmother who was brutalized by apartheid officers. And yet, our oppressors want us to be quiet. They insist we quit whining, stop crying, they say, and celebrate your democracy. What I want to know is, is it a crime to want to lick your wounds? Tell us, how does one heal? 
but what do I know? Besides, I bear the bitter title millennial. However, I am an African on foreign soil, constantly turning the defense of my skin color and origin into a religion. I am a church preaching about Africa, the continent, not the country. My tongue dances in five of the 11 official languages. In school, I had egg Afrikaans geleer, but that's not what triggers me. What really boils me is questions like, do Africans keep lions as pets? Can you ride a lion? So now, I'm an African zoologist, explaining how lions are not kept as pets, so riding or owning a lion would be an act made possible only through witchcraft. Aluta continua. The struggle of my people continues. Aluta continua. 54 countries presenting the world with female presidents, minerals, crude oil, and safari. By the way, it's zebra, not zebra. And yet, my continent is still represented by images of children with flies defecating on their lips just so a natural picture can be taken. Dear Google, you can do better. Better than the save an African child's life for five foreign dollars adverts. Africa raised me with Ubuntu, the spirit of humanity and compassion. So the neighborhood will help you raise your kids. Your problems are theirs too. Africa brewed me. My heart has bare feet and dances to the drums played at enthralling sunsets. Africa, forgive me for the times I abandoned you. The ones where I thought of myself as too highly to be birthed by you. I thought I would be better off elsewhere. But my soul yearns for your touch. I need the warmth of your embrace, the inspiration from your hustling spirit. Your tranquility in Zimbabwe's Victoria Falls, your stature in Tanzania's Mount Kilimanjaro. I am the daughter of the soil. African soil made fertile by the blood and sweat of my ancestors. Through my people and I, Africa rises, rises, rises. Given Hawaii's diverse population and not having been to many of the other American states, this is the best place to relocate to. Again, remember, when you're from Africa, the demerits are still high, but bearable. Don't take my word for it, though. Let me invite my friend Pascal so you can hear it for yourself. Hi, Pascal. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> we love having you here. Thank you so much for joining us. So bear with us as we'll do a role play style question session to imitate some of the challenges we experience being immigrants. We were born and raised in South Africa, a country on a continent, right? Because we have to clarify that. It's not the whole continent. <laughs> but unlike myself, Pascal has lived in a few of the American states. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I officially immigrated um, in 2016. Okay. And I first went to uh, California, Monterey to be exact. And I really liked it there. 
Okay. Um, but we were only there for a short amount of time. Okay. And then we did a cross-country trip all the way to Virginia. So I got to experience some of the <laughs> other states, but I didn't yeah. uh, stay for too long. And we were in Virginia for about a year okay. before relocating to Hawaii. Oh, oh so you haven't been, been here since. for long. No, not too long. Huh. What would you say was the hardest thing about relocating? You know, when I went to um, California originally, I didn't feel like there was much difference. And I okay. guess it was a new experience, so it was exciting. Okay. And it didn't really hit home yet that, that this was my new reality. Okay. Um, going to Virginia was more of a culture shock than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, obviously, the biggest thing is missing family. But generally speaking, with the country itself... Uh, there were a few things, and from the the basic or simplest of things, yeah. um, driving on the other side of the road, <laughs> going into the store and just having things done in a completely different way, um, the amount of um, takeaway spots that there were. I mean, you could find a McDonald's on every single block yeah. in like a ten kilometer radius. Yeah. It was insane to me how many fast food joints there were yeah the size of food that blew my mind (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i remember ordering this salad um i think it was like a taco salad yeah and um they literally gave me an entire head of lettuce (laughs) and i remember watching the waiter bring this thing to the table and thinking okay it must be for the the family behind (laughs) me And he put it down in front of me and I looked at him in complete amazement and I said, this is, you. sorry, this is not, I'm just one person. I think you have the wrong order. And he said, no, no, this is your salad. Um, And that was probably the first time that I noticed that. Um, Yeah, I think for me, it was definitely driving. I remember Mm -hmm. there used to be a lot of moments, especially when I was homesick, that I'd sit in the passenger seat and wonder what happened to the steering wheel and all the pedals? And I drove into Burger King the one time and the lady was on the passenger side and I was like, what are you doing on that side? Why is this wrong? Come over on this side, I need to order. And she's like, this girl must be high or on drugs (laughs) because she's not in the right spot. I think definitely the driving, the portion size, it's just disorienting in so many ways because mm-hmm. you're trying to navigate where you are. Nothing looks the same. Grocery stores are very different. The money in your hand, oh, too, yeah. is very different. I had a difficult time figuring out the coins. Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, I just throw them in the trunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll figure them out later. They made me nervous. I actually had, like, coin anxiety. Yeah, I mean, if I think about it now, you know, from the simplest things, like, Handing your ATM card over to the cashier. Yeah. Usually in South Africa, you would hand it to them and they would take it and put it into the machine. Whereas yeah. here, the machine is actually closer to you, the customer, and you're expected to put the yeah. card in the machine. Yeah. And to this day, occasionally, I will still hand over the card <laughs> to yeah. the cashier and they'll say, no, no, the machine's <laughs> over there. Um And then one other thing, the weather, the weather was completely insane in Virginia. While I was there, they went through the biggest snowstorm that they'd ever had in a decade. Oh yeah. (laughs) They called it Snowmageddon. (laughs) And I remember going into the store and every single loaf of bread and liter of milk had been sold out. Oh, and bottle of water. 
And I remember calling my husband and saying, I mean, what is happening? Do we yeah. need to prepare for the worst? And he said, no, don't worry about it. This, this just happens. People yeah. tend to just be over um, prepared yes. for these instances, but we should be fine. And we were. I mean, we got stuck in the house for one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my husband said, as long as we have enough beer at home, we'll be fine. <laughs> I think the danger levels are definitely different. You know, in South Africa, you're mostly, not mostly, but half the time worried about hijacking and muggings. And here it's hurricanes and, you know, bombs, (laughs) if ever, you know. Yeah, I had a conversation with one of my clients the other day who was asking me about South Africa and they yeah. said, because my, my younger sister who's still in South Africa was actually uh, held up at gunpoint three yeah. weeks ago. And, I remember uh, you said, yeah. Yeah, her cell phone was stolen. So I was telling my clients about this incident and they said, oh, that must be so terrible. And I said, it is, but you get used to it. And you just, it's something you learn to live with. You're very cautious when you drive. You're mm-hmm. constantly watching your shoulder. But it isn't mm-hmm. something that inhibits how you live your life. You just get on with it. Yeah. And when unfortunate things do happen, you tend to go into a state of shock for a while. But yeah. you move forward because you have to. And coming here, I definitely felt a reprieve from that. Okay. But there was this other sense of danger now with all of these, you know, world disasters. In uh, Virginia, there was a tornado warning that never yeah. came our way. Yeah. But there was all these sirens that went off. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Like, mm. where do I go? Yeah. Um, and then in Hawaii, there's been a few. And it's it's a different type of danger. Yeah. Um, and I feel sometimes I'm more conscious of the climate danger because it's Mother Nature. Yes. And you have absolutely no control over it. Okay. I can be as cautious as I want and not stop at robots or um, yeah. make sure I'm you know, holding my bag tightly, mm-hmm. but I can't stop a hurricane from no, coming. No, no, no. Yeah. And stuck on a little island in the middle of the Pacific, I mean, I think it maybe is just a little bit worse because we can't go anywhere. I mean, they'll shut everything down, and that is a hard reality sometimes. Touch wood. (laughs) Nothing happens. I feel like being far away from home is definitely a big challenge for me when it comes to having relocated. It's something that I'm still trying to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. 2,500 a flight, three flights minimum. Um, It just stakes up the sense of worry you know where I am am I okay will I be okay is my family okay those are questions that you have to live with every day and sometimes you don't find the answer and I think the answer comes from just saying I have faith Mm -hmm. I hope everything will be okay Mm -hmm. and you just kind of move on whether you are here or there if something was going to happen it was going to happen yeah regardless the difficulty is how long it takes to travel back if something were to happen. Yeah. Um, but everybody goes on living their lives anyway, you know. And that's been hard for me as well, uh, you know, being so yeah. far away from family, especially when you have things going on. And not even just the sad times. Yeah. Through the good times too, you know. People my, get married. Yeah. My sister had her first baby last year and I wasn't able to be there. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. You know, just for simple things like birthdays, when you get the photos of the whole family mm. at the 
dinner table and you're not there it's it's tough I think birthdays are definitely harder for me. I didn't enjoy yeah. mine this year. So I was like, whatever. Me neither. It was another day. Yeah. Because yeah. the people who, you know, celebrated most of your birthdays with you aren't there. It's just not the same anymore. Yeah. And also, just completely, unre- I mean, it's related, but a lot of my family were confused as to when to wish me because they're 12 hours ahead. And they said, you know, it's your birthday here and we feel like we need to say something. <laughs> But it's not your birthday there. And eventually they gave in and they were like, whatever, we'll just wish you twice. Um, but yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> Let's get into some of the questions you've been asked about South Africa and Africa in, in general. You know, obviously there's no white people in South Africa. So where do you come from? <laughs> yeah, that is something I have... Uh, I wouldn't even say be asked. It's more of a, a statement. Um, when I say I'm from South Africa, you know, I'll get this puzzled look and they'll say, but you're white. Okay. Uh, the fact that you have white people in Africa, let alone South Africa. That's- I don't know what it is. Do you think it's a lack of education or just blatant ignorance? I'd say ignorance because we can educate ourselves in okay. this day and age. I mean, like you said, Google, you know, it, it, information is at your fingertips Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know with a a push of a button um maybe people some people just aren't interested you know in the rest of the world and you do get people Mm. like that um but i mean yeah i don't know i I don't know if there is an excuse for it so i'm gonna say complete ignorance do you think the media plays a role in the perception of the african continent in general how people just perceive it and think about it. I think a lot of the times when people talk to me about South Africa in general, they're like, oh, the lions and the, because the commercials are all about the safari and mm-hmm. game reserves and never really, there's Bentley, there's Maserati, there's Porsche in mm-hmm. South Africa. Like there's real celebrities who live in big mansions. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, you know, the media that I've been exposed to here that's had anything to do with Africa a lot of the time Africans are seen and this is generally not even just South Africa as poor okay um you know and I watched something on the tv the other day where uh people were asking for donations to be sent to one of these African countries because they were poverty stricken and had no food and I think that is the general perception of South Africa another interesting thing I watched this reality show called Mm -hmm. uh, 90 Day Fiance okay but they have a new version where they're doing it the other way around so the Americans will actually travel to their fiancés in whatever country okay and one of these uh, fiancés is actually in South Africa in Johannesburg so I watched the pilots of this reality show and of course what do they show of South Africa Mm. It's like the worst township you can imagine. And, and this is okay. what people are seeing. You know, it's okay. not anything that's affluent or... And not that that isn't a reality. Okay. It is. But I think when people see that in the pilot of a reality show and she's like, oh, I'm traveling all the way to South Africa and all they're showing is like the more yeah. negative stuff. That's what people are going to perceive. You know? you know, what do you think has been the most hurtful perception or stereotype that you've had about Africa and being from South Africa? Um, I guess some of them are that, you know, we're uneducated and that is completely false. 
Um, mm. I had this one guy. He he was an elderly gentleman, but educated nonetheless, or at least I thought so. Okay. And we got to chatting, and I'd asked whether or not he had been anywhere, you know, mm. overseas, and he said he'd love to go, but he'd only been to a lot of the states in the U.S. and he was quite interested in where I was from, so I was telling him a bit about it. And I said, well, you and your wife should travel there one day. And he said, oh, he could go, but his wife, he doesn't think would like it because she needs ablution facilities. And mm-hmm. I kind of looked at him and thought, does it look like I don't know how to use a bathroom? Yeah. You know, and it's just there's this perception that we're just all squatters in a sense. Yeah. And, um, that we have nothing or that we're uneducated and yeah. have to be taught things. Things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably it. I think for me, that's the hardest thing. I think it's instances where people hand you something and mm-hmm. they say, oh, you must not know how to use this. Yeah. Or, oh, you must have not come across this. Oh, this is a stove and this is how this works. And I have to wonder, do you think, I mean, traditionally, yes, we do have three foot pots where we're cooking outside, you know, boikikos and whatever. And we love doing that still. I have one at home. Yes, but we have stoves, you know, we have electricity. And so for me, the fact that people think we don't have the most basic of things, you talk about McDonald's and people are like, oh, you have McDonald's? Yeah. And you're like, where do you think I come from? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I partially blame, you know, the media and Google and, you know, travel agencies that just make South Africa that. Talking about it now yeah. makes me think about it. One was when I had gone to South Africa for a trip. I went to a friend's wedding. So it was a quick trip and I went back to California and we were invited to this potluck, which is a... Uh, bring and bry basically yeah. and I think the guy was trying to be funny but he looked at me and he said oh do we have to be careful did you bring Ebola back with you and I thought okay I don't like I don't find yeah. that funny there's actually people who are really being affected by that yeah um and I mean he could have been more of a contributor than me but the fact yeah. that I'm African now you must have brought it yeah it's I'm funny. bringing in diseases um, and then the other one was at an expo that I was at last year, and I'm proud of where I'm from. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm i very proud to say where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And I had this one woman who came up to me, and she was interested in my accent, and she asked. And as soon as I said South Africa, she looked at me, and she's like, oh, but you're not one of those white people that uh, hates the black people, right? And I thought, uh, uh. no, <laughs> not at all. Um, um, just because I'm white does not mean that I'm racist. Yeah. So those um, were the two that I can think of. I think that's definitely hard for me. I have, I have this thing where I, I get, I go from phases of I'm going to entertain you and we're going to find this funny, you know? So yeah. you'll say something like, oh, the shredder in the office is broken because Mpo's putting staples in it. And I'll go, oh yes, it must be the girl from Africa because all I know is zebras and lions running the street right never in my life have I seen a shredder you know and then I go from to places of real deep anger where Mm. if someone says something to me I'll say oh our diamonds and gold and oil is good for you but 
we're not good enough to be here and to contribute and to be recognizable members of the world population yeah but you can gladly use our resources and our minerals and mm-hmm. forcefully take them but you don't want to know anything else about our country and what we're about mm-hmm. and that's the thing with these donate to africa things i i have the firm belief that africans are very very involved in africa and they are investing they're giving back and they're helping the communities yeah. grow so what is it about this help Africa thing that keeps coming up like you know oh save the poor children save the children with the flies on their lips because Africa's dying and it's you know it's all bad it's the reason people don't even want to come there and see the place mm-hmm. because they're like well what is there to see in Africa it's all just poverty yeah but that then is media perception because that's what people think I mean if you think of food that's being wasted what's the first thing anybody will say what about the starving kids in Ethiopia mm. like, where did you where did they get that from mm. and that's a saying that's said all over the place so somebody started it and I thought my name was difficult <laughs> as a result of it being a Sasutu name but it turns out yours is too what variations has Starbucks come up with for your name <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> I was actually there earlier and I just got a blank stare back uh, and I had to repeat my name and they eventually I ended up spelling it. So usually they don't even get that far because they don't attempt to even write it down. Um, there was somebody the other day actually, oh, I was at the market on Thursday <laughs> and I was ordering food and I told this woman my name and she said, pardon me. And I said it again and she wrote something down on the paper, but it started with an M and I was pretty sure it, it was nothing close to my name. Oh, okay. So I called her out on it and I said, wait, that's not my name at all. And she says, oh, I know. I'm completely deaf. I'll remember your face. So, yeah, I don't think people uh, people even bother anymore because it is so different. So I just go with it. Yeah. yeah. What do you think has been the most rewarding thing about immigrating? Hmm. You know... I think I realized that I was maybe not as naive as what some Americans or, you know, uh, locals can be, but I was naive in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a clear understanding of all the different states and what they all have to offer. And I think just being able to travel mm-hmm. and understand people um, mm-hmm. and the culture has been pretty rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um getting out there and and being proud of who I am and where I'm from. I think it gets easier over time, generally. But when I'm feeling really homesick, I just try and do things that remind me of home. So the easiest thing to do is cook special things um, that remind me of, you know, my childhood. I have a lot of my mom's recipes Mm. that I will try and copy. (laughs) They don't taste exactly the same, but... In your defense, the ingredients aren't here. Exactly. A lot of the ingredients are not here. And I will hunt, you know, high and dry for these <laughs> things. Um, eventually, I do tend to just give up sometimes. But I make the most of it. And um, I think playing South African music or just keeping things around the house that are familiar, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what helps. You know, it's difficult to always communicate with family just because there is such a time difference as well. So... Mm-hmm. I think when you bring in kids too and you give birth here, a lot of your culture and your doings 
is so far off. You know, mm-hmm. there are not a lot of people who are South African here. And so my biggest concern is, how do I teach them the languages? How do I teach them the culture? How do I get them still to be South African and recognize that part of them? Because they will be South African, you yeah. know. I'm scared of not being able to help them in various things like with the schooling system for instance you know the most simple of things because I don't understand it myself so I guess it'll be a learning curve curve for the both of us Mm -hmm. um but it definitely is it's something that crosses my mind often I'm just gonna wing it and hope for the best (laughs) I mean you're South African you wing (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and you know what hopefully my children will be you know able to diversify because of it and they will have an understanding of you know differences and cultures and things and be more open so I'm going to look at it as a positive yes and I think they'll definitely look up to you I think you know you immigrated yeah you left your entire family your friends your school your job your home and every day is somewhat a struggle you know I I always think about how I cannot do the wrong thing and not because it's a a me thing but it's a the moment I do something wrong it's not just going to be Mpo does something wrong it's going to be Mpo South Africa Africa like you've got the whole (laughs) continent and country and anything you do wrong will be taglined against your name to bring down an already struggling continent when it comes to representation. You know, I think people like Trevor Noah and Charlize Theron are doing their best to, you know, wake up, wake up, this is South Africa. But I think each day is that, you know. I think it would have been easier if I was just American and I was like, oh, well, I live here, I'm from here, I don't care. But (laughs) I've got so many demerits and merits i think south africa is a merit i think you know i'm very proud of being from south africa i don't think i'm never once ashamed Mm-mm. never once is my anger covered in shame or it's just why don't you understand just get on a flight and go see it for yourself i mean people are not dying my mom's been there for so long yeah my sister is there they go to school they go to work they drive cars there's highways there's police officers there's Gas stations, and that's another thing, the gas stations. Oh, (laughs) no one to put in my gas for me. I think South Africans are super spoiled. America is a very, like, self-service country, like cashierless um, tellers or whatever. But South Africa is more like interaction. You know, there's someone wiping your windshield and (laughs) dancing and putting in your gas and you don't even pay them the gas station is paying them there's six people washing your car it's super clean you have no idea how much i miss a good car wash that was like three dollars four dollars everything vacuum windows (laughs) i know somebody to just put air in your tires i mean that that floored me and i had to do that for the first time last year and it's so ridiculous but i was i was scared to do it just because i i looked like i didn't know what i was doing because i didn't and i thought oh my word all these people are gonna be staring at me eventually i got it right but yeah it's it's been funny a lot of the time to to learn these things that we take for granted what is your hope when it comes to people's knowledge and approach to questions about Africa, 
in South Africa? How do you think we facilitate a better understanding with less aggression, less, you know, sassiness, like, yeah, we ride lions, you know, I'm mm. into witchcraft or whatever. How do you think we do that? Have you ever thought about it? Not really. I just try and be as patient with people as I can because... Mm -hmm. Like I said to you earlier, you know, I understood that I was naive when it came to a lot of things. And I try and make it into more of a fun task. Um, I have a good friend whose kids love to hear about the slang that we use. Yeah. And uh, they think it's amazing. And, and when we do create a positive, you know, yeah. vibe to it, uh, they love to learn. And... Yeah. They then told me that they were in school the next week and could then identify on the map and, you know, they had a few things to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. What's some of the slang that you were teaching them? Simple things like robot versus traffic light. That mm. kills everybody. Uh, people seem to find that hilarious. A zebra crossing <laughs> versus a... Pedestrian. Ketchup. <laughs> Tomato sauce. <laughs> Pram. <laughs> Stroller. Sneakers. Tackies. <laughs> um, what else? What other ones? Language. That's like tall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of the ones I know is like uh, trolleys. We know a trolley. They use carts. Cart. Um, candy. For us, we know is sweets. Sweet. Biscuits. Yeah, for cookies. Americans is something completely different. <laughs> it's like a savory scone that you put gravy all over. <laughs> so the cars, bonnets versus hoods, um, hooter, yeah, versus horn, um, horn, I yes, guess. horn, yeah, trunk versus boots, yeah, um, cubby hole. They call it a glove box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's been the most simplest of things that that are completely different. What would you say is your favorite South African meal? Like someone's in South oh. Africa and they're like, I must get the true South African experience. <laughs> Obviously, pop. I would put yeah, a pop yeah, yeah. into anything. So Google pop. We're not telling you guys what pop is. Just go ahead and get on Google. P-A-P. <laughs> a lot of people ask me what the traditional meals that we eat are. And I say it's different for every household because we have... 11 official languages and different cultures. I mean, that's not even all the cultures that we have. Different households tend to have different things. You know, if you're thinking about typical South African, Babuti comes up. But I can tell you I've probably eaten Babuti five times in my life. It was not something that was generally given to us. I don't think I've had Babuti before. It's like It's like a Cape Malay rice dish with mincemeat. That's another uh, thing. That's another word. Yeah. <laughs> Versus ground beef. Um, and it has yellow rice and raisins in. Um, yeah. It's tasty. Yeah. But it's quite sweet. So it's it's not something that I ever eat often. I think, again, it depends on, on your culture and where you kind of stand yeah. with that. Um, but I'd say if I had to pick one, it would definitely be a braai. And that braai would consist of budavos, um, pap, tomato sauce. Semp, if you please. Um, gravy. Oh, yeah. Gravy. <laughs> and I think that's it. And maybe for pudding, malva pudding, milk tart, cook sisters. I mean, the list goes. Yeah. Oh, peppermint tart. 
Um, I would put it as Savannah. Oh. Not that I drink Savannah. See, that's yeah. the funny thing about home, being homesick. You end up missing things that you don't even I like. Know. Like, I never used to obsess over serious shoes, but I saw it at Costco and I was like, serious? <laughs> if I see Chutney, I'm like, Chutney! <laughs> I'm exactly the same way. It'll be stuff that I never even thought of eating, and now I have it in my home just because... It reminds me of South yeah. Africa. I think the last time I was home, I brought back fish paste with me. And Chauvet, the reds. Yes. I don't eat that. But I, I had it. like that. <laughs> with a little bit of butter on the yeah, side. And white toast. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I miss a good South African breakfast. Just like toast, eggs. I don't obviously eat eggs anymore. But bacon, avocado, tomato slices, and sausages on the side mm-hmm. maybe a cup of rooibos or mm-hmm. coffee english breakfast that would be on a mug and bean menu yeah you know i think there's so many restaurants that i miss yeah and um, more so than ever before you know i just have these crazy cravings for things and i mean if i was back in south africa i wouldn't necessarily frequent these places often but yeah, just knowing that they're there at my disposal. The one thing I do miss the most is Woolworths because you could go in and get anything from a pre-made meal, an amazing sandwich, to whatever was new that they'd come up with. To water that t- changes your accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Woolworths is a big is a big one for me. I miss that most. Yeah. Send out a special love message to your people back home in your language in a way only they would understand what would you say you're putting me on the spot (laughs) you're like oh i gotta polish my language see this is why i talk to my mom twice a day yeah and i don't (laughs) see you now now No, no oh pascal thank you so much for hanging out and sharing south african stories it's beautiful to have you on this island you know it feels like i found a true sister something that feels like home that we can create you know um find i think common ground in so many of the things that we feel so lost i think immigrating is about trying to navigate and still find your home within yourself you know you have to rebuild a lot of what you grew up having at your disposal on the inside of you in a different country on a different continent and you and I are as far as South Africans can go if they ever wanted to leave South Africa like there Mm -hmm. is no point more far away than where we are you know I think it's bravery Mm -hmm. I think it's courage I think it's audacity. Um, I think it's guts. I think it's perseverance. And it's so many other beautiful things. And I think we'll have so much to teach our kids, so much to teach people back home. Yeah. I think we're learning more, not just to be support structures for ourselves, but for other people who are immigrating from different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. I think the causes say... You know, you strike a rock, you strike a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what makes me proud. It's not just the country and, you know, it's the people. That's what it is. And in in closing, I actually had um, a visit to a hospital recently. Okay. And the attending physician had recently been to South Africa, of all places. (laughs) And she just complimented me 
on the people and she said you know I know your country's gone through so much and there's a lot of turmoil mm -hmm. but the people there were so genuine and friendly and amazing and she said you should be proud and I was I almost burst into tears um, and that is what I'm I'm proud of who I am and where I come from yeah. not because of all the food and I mean that's all good but it's the people and all the restaurants we have yeah <laughs> people that's that's what make it I think that's what I miss I think America teaches you a different way to deal with stress mm -hmm. whereas I think South Africa just laughs at it mm -hmm. you know our president took 200 and something million and people were making <laughs> jokes and yes, the memes kill me <laughs> and they outlive them in five seconds yeah. and Nando's specifically yeah. I love it Nando's shout out to Nando's yeah. on Twitter <laughs> but you know we laugh through it we don't sit there and think oh my goodness this is the worst day in our lives we're like okay it's just another day in south africa yeah move on yes we've got racial issues and racial tensions but there's people who still get along mm -hmm. very very well mm -hmm. on opposite sides of the fence you know and i think you and i are a testament to that is it hamagashle yes totsins senior mother <laughs> Goeie aand. Yeah. What's the guy? How are you? Okay, I thought as much. That was a great thing. Hi. Dumela. Tobela. I'm Shane. I think I only know how to do the greetings. <laughs> In most of them. Sabona. <laughs> yeah. I don't know goodbyes, really. Salagashe. Maybe we don't say goodbyes. Yeah. Shop shop. Shop, shop shop is like we're done you can hang up now yeah. get off the phone <laughs> it's yeah. okay lacquer yeah okay cool lacquer <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for tuning in we had so much fun hanging out with Pascal I hope you guys sincerely enjoyed the episode do find us on www.journeywithmpo.com we're on Instagram at Journey with Mpo. In the next episode, we get cozy with some of my poetry. Stay tuned. I get deep, I get sad, I get crazy. Why does Mpo write? Hmm. Until then, Maholuke, Kyotaba, Rwile, Aloha, 